Blog Talk Radio. Conversations with Dr. D. Yvonne Young. Join America's leading relationship expert, top holistic life coach, and best-selling author, Dr. D. Yvonne Young, along with a diverse team of regular commentators, experts, and celebrity guests. Be entertained while being informed on the issues that affect you most. Don't miss it. Dr. D. Yvonne Young, providing you the tools you need to start living a profoundly extraordinary life. Good evening, America. Today is August the 11th, 2013, and I want to welcome you to Conversations with Dr. D. Devon Young. Tonight, we have a show that, my God, I wish they had something like this out um, when I was probably a little dumber and a lot younger, but we are going to save you a lot of headaches. Tonight, you're going to need to do some things. First thing that you're going to need to do is get a pen and paper. There's going to be a lot of information shared with you. I have a colleague that is going to join me um, a little later in the program, but here's what we're going to talk about. Um, Just to do the historical elements in this, we know for a fact that the reason most relationships fail, the reason that many of them encounter problems, the reason that most of us don't get along with people at work, we don't get along with people at home, Sometimes we don't even get along with ourselves, and we find ourselves in this situation where over and over again we end up saying the right thing at the wrong doggone time or saying the wrong thing at the right time and having the best of intentions, and we find ourselves having that nasty, debilitating sandwich called your foot in your mouth, or we end up listening to the corridors of our hemorrhoids because it looks like we have our head, you know where. So tonight we are going to do some things that are going to help you become um, more effective in how you communicate with not only the people that you love, but the people with whom you work, even a total stranger. And that is going to change the relationships that you have, hopefully for the rest of your lives. Now, before I get started, let me do some legal things and get some things out of the way. I'm going to be talking about typology. Uh, I, as well as my guest, are both certified practitioners uh, in the MBTI, which is the Myers-Briggs instrument that assesses psychological type. We may mention that tonight, but we are not talking about that instrument in particular. We are going to be talking about what it is is built upon, meaning the theorem, the the design, the intent. And there's some really wonderful things that have come out of that in the field of psychology, Uh, things that have lasted now going on over a century as it relates to the first exploration of psychological. To begin, let me start with this. Many of you are going, what in the hell is he talking about? Calm down, I'm going to explain that. What I'm talking about is all of us have one of eight different ways, or actually 16 different personality 
uh, presentations. I've, and, and within those 16 presentations, there are several nuances. But I'm going to say that we have basically eight ways that we vacillate back and forth between four different groups of interpreting and assessing how we not only orient ourselves to dealing with the world internally and externally, but the way that we decide to view a situation, the way that we take in information, how we perceive that information, what we draw from it in terms of conclusions and judgments and things of this nature. Now, to give you a bit of education, I want you, if you're uh, sitting there and you have your iPad or your iPhone or your, um, even access to an old-fashioned computer, look up typology or look up the Myers-Briggs type indicator instrument. I want you to start there. Now, let me give you a little history. Isabel Briggs Myers and her mother, Catherine Cook Briggs, created uh, a tool that was based on this really, really cool psychologist named Carl Jung. Now, here's what I love about Carl. He was, um, it, it, he was a Swiss psychiatrist um, that was studying how, why do people say and do the things they do. Now, this is really funny. Dude went to go study with the famous Freud, you know, that everybody pictures Freud when they think of psychology. And Freud was a very brilliant man, himself also a physician. And he wondered, his whole his whole thing was like, when I get with this dude, we're going to do this awesome work. And as luck would have it, this is going to be so funny. They get together, do not get along for anything. They start bumping heads and, you know, having all these conflicts. So at that point, uh, Carl Young was like, okay, I know this guy is cool. I'm cool. Why in the dickens can't me and this man get along with each other? And that led him down this exploration of personality and how does personality get formed and what is the basis of personality? What is the basis of causing people to misinterpret one another's actions, to not get a full grasp on why does this person think I'm a jerk or why does this person think I talk too much or I don't talk enough? Why is it that some people seem to be so doggone logical they just don't have any feelings at all? Or why is it some people are just so, quote, unquote, off into their feelings they have no common sense? And why can't some people ever let go of the past? Why do other folks hang on to it? Why is it some people are just always late? And why are some people so obsessed with being somewhere on time that even when they take a vacation, they screw that up because they're telling everybody, come on, let's go, when in fact you went on vacation to just relax? Now, let's go even deeper with this. Have you been in a situation where you wanted to date somebody and in the process of looking at this potential significant other, you do you meet each other? Those first few dates, you know, they're based on infatuation. They're based on physical attraction, and they go pretty cool. Maybe, you know, but you kind of get this little red flag, but you end up marrying this person, 
despite that little red flag. And being honest with you, that's all it probably could have been is a little red flag. But you not knowing any better have turned this thing into the Purdue A&M marching band, right? So what we end up finding is the the answers to these uh, dilemmas that we find ourselves in by examining psychological type. Now, before I go any further, I've, uh, I've got a wonderful colleague that is going to join me on the show this evening, and uh, because my very cool producer, who I depend on and all the time, has left me to go party in Austin, Texas, I'm going to have the pleasure of introducing her myself. So here's Without further ado, let me give you some credentials before I bring on. Her name is Rose Matran. Rose has earned a doctorate from Rutgers University. Uh, she also served as the, the director of the New Jersey School of the Arts. This sister is just, like, really, really phenomenal. Her and her husband, Don, opened an executive search firm in 87, uh, which, you know, that's more than yesterday. In 2010, they branded something that's very exciting called the Matran Group that allowed um, people to, well, basically allowed Rose's executive coaching experience to be just a huge and tremendous blessing to so many other people. Well, I had the pleasure of meeting her, um, I, I guess maybe uh, over almost a month ago or close to it, and we were both. Um, getting certified as practitioners and using the Myers-Briggs topology instrument. So, Rose, are you there? I am. Okay. Hello. Hey, thanks for being the show. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, thank you. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. Tell Good. America something about Rose that I left out. I'm sorry? I said, I want you to introduce yourself. I know I almost did it, but tell America about the side of you that is, you know, a, a wife and a woman. Just tell them about your orientation and what made you gain your curiosity about uh, typology and studying human type. Well, um, early in my career, I started out as a teacher and um, was watching, um, and, I, and I was teaching the arts, the fine arts, music and theater and, um, and creative movement. And I was always watching children. I had uh, thousands of them over the years, and I thought it was always interesting watching them interact um, with each other in the classroom or in the tasks that we were doing. You know? um, so I always had kind of a bent towards human behavior and watching people, although my my academic background is not psychology. Um, when I uh, became a, an administrator uh, and then um, met Don and we opened our business, uh, you know what what we're watching all the time now is the uh, are the dynamics that are in the workplace, the hiring dynamics, what people go through. And while we've been in business for a long time, and yes. Uh, you know, society and the workplace has changed dramatically since 1987. People haven't. They have the same fears. They have the same um, uh, the, the same kinds of um, concerns uh, when they are moving around the workplace as they ever did. Um, so I started doing an awful lot of um, uh, career transition coaching with people, not knowing how to get to be. 
um, something that they always wanted to be. You know, we, there are a lot of people that got stuck in careers. They woke up at 45 and said, I don't like what I am now. I always wanted to do this. Or people late in life. I'm in Sarasota, Florida, and this is an older community. There are a lot of people here that are retiring at 55, and they are way too young to leave a workforce. So there are a lot of people in my backyard here that are saying I need an, another another career transition. So I spend a lot of time talking with these people and and working through um, what they are going to do. Not only the retired people, I, I do a lot of executive coaching with the um, uh, the companies that we are um, uh, engaged with as an executive search firm. So that's that's where I'm coming to this from. It's it's a practical application of how people are. Um, are needing to, to to go through a process of self-discovery in order to get to some other goal that they want to achieve. So does that, does that help? <laughs> yeah, that helps a lot. I, what I think and what, what I was thinking about the whole time that you were talking is that I believe that our audience uh, this night, which is, you know, not only is it an American audience, it's a Canadian audience, it's an Australian audience, it's an audience in the U.K., and some people are listening as far away as uh, in the Middle East. But what we, what I heard when you were talking is that at some point you are going to need to know how to effectively communicate with people and how to read them because if you're going to be successful in the workplace or you're going to be successful with regard to a relationship, the first thing is you will not be able to effectively engage someone else until you first know yourself really well. Would you agree with that, Rose? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, one of the and, things that I thought about with, Meyer, with the Myers-Briggs um, situation, you know, none of us were born with an operating manual, an operator's manual. You know, if you buy a new car, you get a big book, and it tells you all about the different features that your car has, and they lump everything together. Well, some of them have sunroofs and some of them don't. Some of them have navigation systems, some of them don't. So you make your way through this book. But the, the manual for what you need to know about that vehicle is there. Now, if you talk to a car dealer, they'll tell you that nobody ever uses 100% of their car. They use 20% of it because, oh, that button over there, yeah, I don't know what it does. But the Myers-Briggs, going through a Myers-Briggs assessment and getting yourself into getting your, knowing your type and really digging beneath just knowing what those four letters are is really the thing that uh, it's like the owner's manual for what, how you, you prefer things and what your, what your preferences are and how you're going to get the best mileage out of your own life. Okay, uh, with that said, I'm going to um, start educating the audience. We're going to forego probably the first little break because I don't want anybody to miss this. I know people are anxious. They're sitting there with a pen in hand saying, you know what, damn, Doc, I thought you told you were going to tell us how to use this, so let's get started. First, America, here's what I want you to do. I want you to write your name with the hand that you typically use. So I'm going to give you a second. Go ahead and write your name. Now, unless you don't know how to write or you're printing, you probably should at least have your first name down. Now I want you to switch hands, and I want you to use your non-dominant hand to write your name. You're probably by now realizing that it is not as easy to write your name if you're right-handed 
It's not as easy to write it with your left or if you're left-handed. It's not as easy to write it with your right. And even if you can functionally do it to where it doesn't look like you've been drinking six beers and, and tried to write your name, but you can look at it and you can tell that there's a dramatic difference between what is done with your dominant versus your non-dominant hand, and that's the first thing that we need to understand about type. Typology is not something that is your preference. It is something that you were born with. It is something that uh, you, no one t- woke up when you were a child and said, be left-handed. No one told you to prefer being quiet over talking. Now, I'm not going to say that not nurture, meaning that the way you were raised, has not influenced your behavior because it does influence your behavior. But what we're talking about is nature, and nature gives you a deck of cards, and that deck of cards is what is most natural for you. So let me, I'm going to further break this down, and Rose, feel free to jump in and, and correct me or give your view on this, but the, uh, Rose used an analogy of a vehicle in a manual, so I'm going to use the same analogy. Type is the type of vehicle that you happen to be, meaning that if you're an SUV, you're just an SUV. If you're a truck, you're a truck. If you're a sedan, you're a sedan. And there is not too much variance in that. Now, trait is, would happen to be the um, the accessories and the equipment that came with your type. So we're going to find in this discussion a little bit later on that uh, out of the uh, dichotomies that you can uh, have, that you may, let's say, we're going to first start with talking about extroversion. I'm going to ask uh, Rose to give her description of that, then I'm going to give mine. But we're going to help you guess and do what is considered to be a scientific hypothesis of your type. Once you do that, I've given found a free website, so if you go to my uh, to my Facebook page, you can click on that link and actually take a free type test. It is not an MBTI instrument, so I'm going to tell you that up front. It is not an MBTI instrument. However, it is based on the uh, Young and the Myers Briggs type theory, and it's humanetrics.com, and, you, and it's a pretest, so you can take it. It is nowhere near as thorough as the MBTI, nowhere near, but from just, you know, a novice, we just want to kind of like get to know a little bit, uh, you can use this to just get a, I guess, get your feet wet and put it solid. So with that said, don't think because uh, if you and after you take this test on that website, and again, the link is on my Facebook page, which is D. Yvonne Young, spell like Ivan, D space I-V-A-N space Young, right on Facebook. But once you take this, if it doesn't match what you came up with or you disagree with it, first, it's not right and it's not wrong. Isn't that correct, Rose? It's just, Absolutely. you know, we're just trying to help you find you, right? Sure. No, that's, that's right. So here's the thing. Go ahead, Rose. Go ahead. No, no, that's that's absolutely true. I mean, you're you're trying to get your most honest, uh, you know, evaluation of yourself, and it isn't. Uh, it is what it is. <laughs> or as Popeye said, yeah, I is. am what I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wish I could finish that. I've got a joke, but y'all, you guys would probably slap me on the wrist. So here's where we're going to go with this. The first thing, um, we're going to role play this thing between Rose and I. 
And then I'm going to ask Rose to kind of explain her answer. So I'm going to play like Rose is sitting in my office, and we're going to go along, and you that are in the listening audience, I want you to go along and write these things down, okay? So here we go. Hi, Rose. Hi. How are you today? I'm doing well, thank you. That's good. Today what we're going to do is we're going to try to help you get to know you a little bit better. Now, the, what I want to do is I'm going to present something to you, and there are going to be eight dichotomies, meaning we're going to take four different sets of extremes, Rose, and I want you to pick which one sounds more like you. Is that, okay. Do you mind doing that with me? Okay. Not at all. Typically, when people deal with you, do you find that you direct your energy and your attention more outward or inward? And here's what I mean by this, Rose. Um, when you are dealing with a crowd of people, do you get uh, energized by being in the crowd or do you get energized the minute that you can get away from that crowd? Hmm. Well, I think I can do both, but... I think if I were to do any one more than the other, it would probably be more being getting energized by the crowd, a little bit more on that side. So what you're telling me is that you are more excited when you're around people and they have an energizing effect on you uh, when you're out. Is that right? Yeah, I would say so. Now, you are you sure that, because there's another side to this, and do you think sometimes you prefer just being solitary or spending more time with one or two people, or are you, or, and, or do you just really, really prefer being on the other side of the table? Because the one side I'm describing is being introverted, and here's what introverts do. When you're introverted, you like to take the time to reflect on ideas and you like to, you know, spend time with small groups of people. You really are more comfortable being alone. Now, you're sounding, Rose, like an extrovert, which means that you are more comfortable and you like working with groups as opposed to being alone or working with fewer people. So, Rose, would you say you're more extroverted or more introverted? Oh, I would say I'm more extroverted. Okay. Now, audience, while you're listening, pay attention to the things that were said. If you prefer to be a little bit more calm, you like doing things either alone or just with a few close friends, you really like to take things in and then you forget to check on the outside world, you're introverted or you prefer introversion. Remember, as you as we do this, there is no right and there is no wrong. Now, if you're like Rose and you like people see you as a go-getter and a people person and you like a wide range of acquaintances and, you know, you just like quickly to, you know, jump into a conversation without thinking about it or sometimes you forget to pause to clarify an idea, you probably are like Rose and you prefer extroversion or you're an extrovert. So whichever one of these things sounds more like you, I want you to write that letter down now. If it's extroverted, I want you to write down an E. If you're introverted, I want you to write down an I. Now, continuing with our example. So, Rose, there's another dichotomy that exists. And in this dichotomy, one of them deals with facts, 
details and experience, which would be sensing, or the other one is intuition, which deals with symbols and patterns and theories. So, Rose, I want to ask you, do you think you have a preference for being immersed in um, a sensory experience and just being in touch with everyday physical reality, or do you think that you would like to gain your understanding through hands-on experience and just thinking about what's possible and what's new? Which one sounds more like you? Wow, this one's very easy for me to answer because I would say I really much prefer um, uh, the dealing with the abstract and the imaginative kinds of things. And um, really, I'm very conceptual and theoretical thinker, very original ideas. Um, so I think I fall very much on the the opposite side of that sensing uh, word, and that would be be what was what were you calling that intuition? Well. Yeah, that's the intuition side. But let me ask you a question because I, I want to play devil's advocate. Do you think sometimes, though, that you may be a person that you like working from uh, a really good memory, focusing on data, remembering facts or events, or are you really more focused on what impressions things may leave on you and you would rather kind of recall the events and read between the lines and solve problems by making leaps in thought. Which one sounds more like you? Um, well, clearly, if I have to be realistic and practical and very concrete, I, I can do that. But I, my tendency is very much towards um, maybe taking taking that information as a template and 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 then you know it doesn't take me long to go off into a uh, very imaginative and um, you know track of of what's the field of possibility with this. So I mean I understand what you're saying about the practical and the concrete side. Sure, that's there when I need to have it be there. But um, I much prefer operating on the on the um, perceiving patterns and the interrelationships of things. So what you're actually saying is you like working from the big picture first, and then the facts kind of just precipitate themselves out or they fall where they may. Yeah, I think that's that's a very good way of putting it. Okay. Okay. Now, audience, I'm going to give you a little bit more definition here. Sensing is when people develop, they, and here's how you pretty much can tell if you're on the sensing side of this equation. And remember, there is no right or wrong here. When you have an excellent memory for details and you like working with data, sensing types are often good at seeing the practical application and ideas of things, and they tend to learn best when they can first see the pragmatic side of what's being taught. For sensing types, experience speaks so much louder than words. Now, if you think you may be on the intuition or the intuitive side, the memory of things is often just an, impress, an impression or the essence of an event. They, people like you like concepts, and you don't need the details. As a matter of fact, the details kind of might work your nerves a bit. However, you are interested in doing things a different way. You may build from an idea, but you want to take it somewhere that it's never been before and do what's never been done before. So if you feel 
that you focus much more on the facts of the present and you like details and you like to do things sequentially. You got to see it, feel it, taste it, smell it. You are more than likely, doesn't mean that you are, a sensing type. The other side is if you are an intuitive type, you recall events, you read between the lines, though. You're the type of person that will look at a picture and pick up what it means, not look at the as on a red hat. You also like to work from the big picture to the facts. You place great trust in symbols, metaphors, and the things that really allow you to bring your own view of a new reality to something. Now, continuing with our example with Rose. Rose, the next dichotomy is how do we make judgments about the outside world? Most of us, Rose, are either thinkers or feelers. Now, I want to ask you this. When people talk about you, do they think that you sometimes can be just bluntly truthful, kind of almost tough-minded, or do they find you to be warm-hearted or real sympathizing toward other people's perspective? Which one sounds more like you, Rose? Well, I haven't been... um... I think people would tell you that I'm the tough-minded, uh, disciplinarian type. Um, you know, um, I, I, I definitely can be a feeling person, but it takes me a little bit time to uh, engage in that activity. I mean, it's not my natural go-to thing to be. I, I am a thinking person. <laughs> okay, let me let me play devil's advocate, Rose. Sometimes do you feel, though, that before you make a decision that you want to weigh out the impressions of the people involved and you want to put yourself in the situation, or are you really sure that you like to kind of like step back and look at it objectively? Well, uh, my first, in in making decisions, the first thing that I do is I think it out. I think about the implications of the decision mostly on if it's a business if it's a business decision i think about it on um the implications for the business and um um if it's a um where do we want to go to dinner i'm thinking about logistics i'm thinking about who can get there from where they live easiest um and then it begins to think then i begin to think well this person or that person might not like that particular place because the last time we ate there, they didn't like it, so maybe we shouldn't go there again. But my first thought immediately goes to um, the logical and the, um, the the outcomes that are much more um, uh, based on uh, on uh, you know concrete decisions that are not not dealing with emotional tags to them at all. But I eventually get there, but uh, it, that's a secondary thing for me. So, ladies and gentlemen, what you just heard Rose describe is the feeling type. Now, remember, when you are writing these things down and you're determining who you are, there is no good or bad. There is no right or wrong. It is what it is. But I'm going to go and break the definitions down now. If you are a feeling type, people that are a feeling type – do not confuse this meaning you're emotional. What it really means is that you make value-based decisions by putting yourself and putting yourself in the situations. Feeling types often concern themselves uh, based on what is the good in the situation. They, if they were looking at a trial.
jail or something, they would be the ones to put themselves in the uh, defendant's shoes and say, okay, what would I have done if it were me in these circumstances, where the thinking type is the one that says, well, what does the DNA and what does the timeline and the evidence look like? Another way to distinguish if you're a, a thinking versus a feeling type is people that are feeling types typically like to place harmony over results. They typically want to um, use their hearts more than their heads with making a decision. Now, believe me, that does not mean if you're a thinking type that you are cold-hearted. What that means if you're a thinking type, you will do what is fair for everyone without really separating things out and putting yourself or the other individual first. You look at the facts and you call it what it is, but if you have a feeling type, again, not to be confused with emotional stuff and not to be saying that you're led by your feelings even though there is a similarity in the feeling type personality that they do appear to be more sensitive, but I do not mean that in a way where it's emotional, okay? So with this one, Rose, it would be fair to say that your type between these two dichotomies of thinking and feeling, you lean toward thinking. Would that be correct, Rose? Yes, I would say that's true. Okay. Now, America, this next category has to do with how you like to live your outer life. And what are the behaviors that others tend to see in you? Now, when I go over this one with Rose, I want you to really pay attention because, believe it or not, that orientation has a great deal to do with the previous three things that we discussed, and we're going to get to that in just a second. Rose, often when you are making decisions and you're thinking about, you know, how do I want to um, let something be determined? Typically, people have a perceiving attitude or they have a judging attitude. Now, I want to describe this, Rose, and you tell me which one sounds like you. When it's time to make certain decisions, do you find yourself wanting to be more flexible and spontaneous? Like if you were taking a vacation, would you plan it out to the detail or would you kind of want to leave the agenda open to go with the flow? Well, uh, I don't, I get so few vacations <laughs> that um, I don't want to waste any minute on my vacation. Um, and my vacations, I would say, tend to be very planned. Um, I, I'm not the type of person that likes to sit on a beach for a vacation. I like very active things. So it very frequently means that I've got to book um, events or book gear and equipment to do things. So that is, that's the way I would approach it. I would be very systematic about planning um, what I would be doing on my vacation. Okay, Rose. Well, I, let me play devil's advocate one more time. Would you at all kind of like um, just kind of mix a little play with work or maybe you enjoy have working with a burst of energy and rushing to get things done just before deadlines or are you always the type that likes to make a list of things to do and you want to get your work done first and play later? Oh, I like to make lists. I make lists 
um, every day, um, and I, I, it, it makes me feel good when I cross something off a list. Um, but if somebody were to come to my desk and, and in a very serendipitous moment say, hey, how about we go to lunch at a at a place, I certainly wouldn't turn that down, saying that I've got to be changed at, chained at my desk and, you know, that I that I had to finish my work. I mean, I, there, there are certainly elements of moving over on that side of, of, of my personality. But but by and large, left to my own devices, I would yeah, I would I, I like things to be planned because I, it makes me feel very good when I accomplish things. So uh, I guess in summary, it appears that you prefer judging over perceiving. Then, uh, yeah, I like I like things. I like to start things early on and get a big feeling for how the project's going to go. Um, doesn't mean that I won't uh, put it down for a day or two and then come back to it as the deadline gets closer. But um, I want to get my arms ra- and my head wrapped around uh, what what I'm going to need to do, how much energy I'm going to need to put into something. Um, so I do I do start things in an early you know kind of a systematic way in in the front end to make sure I know where I'm at with it, and I and I know where I am in the process all the time. I don't you know it, I don't get lost in um, I don't lose projects. I know exactly where I am in the things that I'm trying to accomplish. So we could it would be fair based on your assumption of uh, how you see you that your personality prefers judging more than perceiving events. Would that be an accurate statement? Yeah, I think I am very much wired in that direction, yes. Okay. Now, America, as you do this at home, I'm going to go back through the list so you can make a determine whether this last letter, which one suits you better. Now, we're, we're, ju- we're going to have two options if you're leaning toward judging or perceiving, and I'm going to give you some baseline things that you can use to make this determination. If you like, leaving things open to respond to what may ever happen if you're more loose and casual. If you would rather kind of like uh, keep laid out plans to the minimum, you would rather play and mix work with play, you tend to kind of like wait till the last minute to get things done, or you would uh, you don't want to just settle on a final plan. You want to leave room for something to change. More than likely, you have a perceiving personality, okay? Now, if you are wondering, do you have a judging personality, here's some things that may be an indicator of that. You like to make decisions. You're task-oriented. You are constantly making lists. Even when you talk, you may be saying A, B, C, or 1, 2, 3. Sometimes you make decisions a little too quickly without information, or you often can focus so much on the goal that you miss the need to change the plans. If that's you, more than likely you have a judging personality. Now we're going to go and take about a 45-second break, and when I come back, we're going to talk about Rose's personality type, and if you want to call us, uh, you can go ahead and start getting ready to dial in with your personality type. You can call us at 646-478-5610. That's 646-478-5610. You're listening to Conversations with Dr. D. Yvonne Young. We'll be right back in about 45 seconds.
this is Dr. Devon Young. Welcome back to our show tonight. Have you ever been in a situation um, where you really wanted to find the heck me and this person don't click and or what's going on? Well, I am honored tonight. I have a uh, colleague of mine, a very brilliant uh, woman that I've she and I got our certifications at the same time for to be certified as MBTI practitioners, where that stands for is the Myers-Briggs Typing Instrument. So what we're talking about tonight is how can you tell who you're talking to, what can you expect from that personality type, and how do you relate to them. We were doing a role play, and we're going to get back on it. Then we're going to take some of your calls and explain your personality types. Uh, but just prior to that, we're going to finish wrapping this up with Rose and our role play, and then we're going to, and I want you, America, to pay close attention to some things, some idiosyncrasies here. And the reason why is this has so much to do with you being successful in that job interview, being successful on that date, uh, not having someone uh, rub you the wrong way or you think you got rubbed the wrong way because you just simply did not understand where someone was coming from. Now, back to our role play. Rose, uh, were you writing down the letters as we went? I was. Okay, so what did you come up with? Well, I came up with E N T J. Wow. Uh E N T J. Well, first people, let me tell you this. There is no Dunta Dum because your personality type is not good or bad. It is just what it is. But we're gonna continue with this. Rose, what do you think E N T J, if you were to look at these letters, what did they represent to you when you kind of when I was asking you the questions, what were you picking up about your own personality? Well, um I I was picking up that um that I was I was beginning to see how the the I was beginning to feel or trying to give you an indication of what I prefer to be, although I know very well that I slide over to the other side. It's uh, you know, it's it's like what you were talking about earlier with asking people to write something out. I mean, if you were if you were locked in a room and you were right-handed, you would normally go to the no- doorknob with your right hand. But there'd be nothing in the world to stop you from opening it with your left hand. It would be a little more awkward. But I was feeling, as you were talking to me about the different, um, the words that you were using, I was seeing, um, I was seeing that I could probably do both, but I was telling you the things that I preferred. So what it, what I think I did was I began to see myself and what my preferences are. Well, you know, that's interesting that you would say that because here's where a lot of us get it wrong. We look at people and we make the assumption that because someone isn't talking to us that they're not feeling us when, in fact, your misconsumption could be just that that person is really an introvert. And and the other side of it is when you feel that some people just talk too doggone much and they won't shut up, it's not that they are bragging. It is not that they are arrogant. It is not that they are trying to be the life of the party. So they are just an extrovert. So with that said, Rose, how do people usually perceive you since you appear to be an extrovert based on these questions that I ask you? Well, I don't think people... 
First of all, I am not an extrovert that, you know, gets up on top of a piano and dances as a party. That's not what uh, what what I am is in in terms of extroversion. I I tend to be a person that is um I listen very carefully. I'm very actively engaged in conversations, not necessarily um commandeering the conversation. They know that they have my attention because I I think I lean into the conversation. I am I am giving verbal cues that I'm listening and understanding. Um, so I think when people perceive me, I think that they think I'm a very engaged person with them, um, as opposed to uh, disengaged and retiring and not and disinterested. You know, I think that everybody thinks that I'm interested in them when I'm talking with them. Well, one thing that I can share is that most extroverts do come across that way. They, And this is something that I'm going to tell guys to be careful of. When you are dating, and just because a woman is talkative and very friendly, bro, it does not mean that she isn't feeling you, but likewise it doesn't mean that she is. So why in the dating schematic, because someone is talkative and engaging, it could just be a, a their nature. And what I mean by that is this. These things are considered to be attitudes, and the attitude that we have, and I don't mean like attitude, you got your arms folded and your bottom lip stuck out about to touch your chin. I mean attitude as in this is almost like the direction that you tend to lean in. And what we want to pay attention to is that with introverts, it is very important that we be aware that just because this person isn't talking a lot doesn't mean that they're not engaged or they're not interested. Now, here's what I'm going to warn, and I, Rose, I would love for you to give your comment on both of these things too. Uh, most introverted women are thinkers. They're quiet, but they think very deep, which you're going to find this to be very true about most introverted people. They are listening to everything and taking it in, and you don't need to tell, tell them too much. Rose, would you agree with that? Mm, I think so, and I think that in where, especially where um, um, uh, dating situations are concerned, I think that women don't want to say anything until they're really sure about something. They don't want to say something to appear to be foolish or to be jumping the gun or to be uh, presumptuous or in any way. I think that um, uh, when you're introverted, you really think things over um, before you open your mouth and say something. Now, and that that of course can be drawn to a fault where you you know you never express your feelings uh, on the very extreme. But but I think when people are quiet, it's because they just don't feel comfortable. Um, expressing that those inner thoughts. And I agree with you, Rose. Matter of fact, I'm going to say this, and then we've got a caller uh, holding that we're going to uh, put on. A gentleman's been waiting for quite some time. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, don't panic. The show will go over probably about 10 minutes or so tonight or 15 because I'm not going to leave you guys stuck not getting the information you need. This show is about education and informing, and Blog Talk Radio has been very gracious, and thanks to you, we are a recommended and highly rated program, so we're going to take advantage of our status tonight. But right now, I would like to put our call on. Sir, are you there? Hello. Hi, how are you? What's your name? My name's Leon. And, uh, Leon, what? Uh, tell me what your letters came out to be. Ended up being INFP. 
INFP Rose. You want to go ahead and take that and tell them a little about what an INFP means? Okay, um, Leon. Um, well, as we as we um, uh, spoke of a little while ago, um, the I um, is um, is introversion, and that was as opposed to being an extrovert uh, or having extroversion traits. Um, and um, I, I don't know how how deep do you want me to go here with this? Do you want me to just clarify the? The type. Yeah, let's give him a basic overview and see if he agrees with it. Okay. All right. So um, if we're talking about introversion, we're talking about uh, a preference for um, uh, for things like um, being very contained and quiet, reflective, um, uh, being the person that likes that is more receiving of information than giving out information. Does that all sound um, very um, very much like you, Leon? Yes, very much. Oh. Okay. All right. Um, well, then, um, that would be a good choice for you or a good good avenue to be thinking that that, that would be um, a um, uh, the, the right letter for you, the I for introversion. Um, the next one that you have, uh, you said was N. Did I hear that right? Yes. Okay. All right. So um, we have, and that that dichotomy would be sensing and intuition. And the sensing, I mean, sorry, the intuitive people um, are people that uh, might prefer uh, the more abstract as opposed to concrete kinds of uh, um, uh, thinking, Um, imaginative, uh, being kind of a conceptual thinker, a uh, person that likes to think of what could happen, um, a person that um, kind of sees the whole forest um, in you know in front of them instead of just the uh, just the, the tree in front of them, um, a, a person that's kind of an original uh, thinker. Maybe you, people have people ever told you that they thought you were creative, or do you think that you're creative? Yeah, I've been I've been told that I was creative. Um, okay, all right. So, um, do those words sound like words that um, you you would use in describing yourself? Those other words that I just mentioned. Yeah, yeah. I, I think um, I like to deal with the abstract a lot. Um, okay. Not real details. Um, yeah, I think I think that pretty pretty much describes about what. Okay. My, Okay. Let me just ask you. Oh, go ahead. Yes. I don't want to drop. Go ahead, Rose. You're my guest. Go ahead. Okay. I was just going to ask him if 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 Leon would mind sharing with us what what line of work he he is in. Okay. I I work in an underground coal mine. Okay. All right. Wow. That's pretty. Okay. Okay. Let me. Let me do this. I just saw a note that my producer sent me and said, Leon, you wanted to know about relationships also and about career choice, right? Yes, yes, I'm very interested in that. Like, I mean, I want to know this. Okay, good. Let me tell you just this about relationships because I know we've got some other people home, but here's what's up. INFPs, when it comes to their relationships, are often adaptable people who quietly manifest compassion and sensitivity. Um, You definitely are uh, a person that is very empathetic toward other people. 
commitment, loyalty, and love are very important to you, and so is family. Um, you may be in love, the idea of being in love with, the, and sometimes, here's, here's the downfall, sometimes without the maturity, you can become passive and fail to move into compassionate and caring action. So sometimes the chase and the idea of love becomes uh, is a beautiful thing, but the burden and the responsibility of it can kind of be a headache. So often, even though that can be the case, you have a very strong sense of what is right and wrong. Uh, people more than likely think you're very tolerant, but if you don't watch yourself, you may fail to express your needs clearly. And sometimes other people may be frustrated or confused by not knowing that they have violated something very important to you. Has that happened? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It has. Okay, give me an example real quick. Um, let's see here. Um, I get in a past relationship, you know, like I would hold off to what I felt that was more important. Um, I mean, I would, I would, I would do what my partner wanted instead of like what, uh, like if there was a family function or something that I thought was more important to go to, but I would rather, um, just, uh, uh, try to fulfill what I thought she wanted. So I would, I would um, now go to things that I thought were very important to me, and wouldn't wouldn't speak on it, wouldn't speak on it just just for the sake of, you know, keeping the peace, I guess. Well, one thing about your personality type is that introverted personality doesn't speak up, and sometimes to the detriment, it doesn't speak up until there's a lot of stress. And when that stress is present, that caring style that someone sees in you may become, uh, may invert itself, and what it was caring becomes critical. So I caution you, and I think Rose will agree with this, is that as we mature, some of these traits that appear dominant during the first half of our life uh, start to recede, and the part of you that was introverted, now the extroverted part starts coming to the surface, or the part of you that, um, you know, was so often into being visionary and having the vision in your head needs to start paying more attention to details up front. And if you do that, I think you're going to find a lot of balance in your life. What do you say about that, Rose? Uh, yeah, I think that's true. The other thing that uh, very true um, and good point. Um, I, I think that also um, you need to. While we're look, only looking at you right now, um, the other half of that is uh, the the person that you're in that re- in a relationship with. I mean, if that person is also an I, and into a, a um, an introverted person, um, and is going through the same kinds of struggles or the same kind of internal. Um, uh, dialogue in your own head and not making it clear to the other person it's only going to make it make it more difficult so um you know when if you now know what you what your type is what your preference is you can now begin to think oh gee you know maybe i should and maybe think a little bit more about the other kinds of communications that you could feel comfortable with um in in initiating those kinds of conversations with your with your um partner 
Now, one thing, Rose, before we let him off the line, he also wanted to know about career choice. And I think one thing about that introverted person that's in their head, working in a coal mine gives them a whole lot of time for quiet and imagination. But you are the expert on careers and and on guiding people toward a new beginning. What would you suggest that Leon consider uh, matching his personality traits to uh, what he might want to look for with a rewarding and, and fulfilling career. Mm-hmm. Well, what I usually do when I'm uh, when I'm uh, coaching people, um, in addition to uh, to looking at what their um, MBTI says, I, I like them to do things like um, uh, find. There are a lot of wonderful um, books out there. They're really easy books um, to go to. For instance, the uh, the Tom Rath um, Strength Strengths finder uh, a book is always good to see what it is that you really you know sometimes we don't even know what we do well um, but I would I would encourage anybody um, that's thinking about wanting to do something else really zero in on what do you really want to do um, what did you always want to be um, you know uh, go back to your childhood go back to um, maybe things that you couldn't do uh, early in your life for one reason or another. Now, sometimes making a career change is, one, is something that you can go from A to B and you are right at the career that you want. Sometimes the career that you really want is maybe G-H-I-J on the, on the scale and you can't make the career change in one great big leap. You need to get yourself, um, you know, in, in stepwise moving in the right direction. So, um, uh, you know, the, the kinds of careers, uh, they're, they're all over the place. The interesting part is there are teachers that are uh, E's, there are teachers that are I's, there are doctors, lawyers, Indian chiefs that are um, I's and E's. Uh, there isn't really any way just from the MBTI letters that you can say, oh, boy, I should be this or I should be that. Um, there are, and, and because we know that these letters are only um it's what you're reporting or what you think your preferences are when you do take the full instrument and you come up with the full step to 17 16 page whatever it is uh, printout you'll begin to see exactly how clear those different kinds of preferences are so um it's really hard to tell right off uh right off the top you know of my head uh, to, to, to give you an idea, but certainly some good ideas would be to um, you know, make your own list of what do you think you should be doing and, and, and keep doing things, you know, try to find other things that you do well. Okay, well, what I want to do is at the end of the show, uh, Leon, uh, you will be able to get Rosa's contact information and you guys can talk about that further sure. because we've got – a lot of people listening, and I want to move move the show down the line. Uh, going back to our role plan, thanks, Leon, for the call. Rose, when we came up with your letters and we saw this ENTJ, the other thing is the thinking and the judging aspect. There are – what I want to point out with that is and, – and I want to cover some of these uh, different attributes so people can understand how to spot this when they're dealing with other people. When you see someone – that is typically always noticing what you didn't do, going in somebody's house straightening their pictures, or you see that sensing personality. Something that you might want to learn is to um, let them be them. 
if you are an intuitive, that will rack your nerves. So it's no point in you racking up an argument and, uh, and uh, the excedrin by ch- trying to change someone's inner traits. People are born this way. It's the way they think and the way they are. Now, what I'm going to say is that when you are dealing with couples or even in an employee-employer relationship, it is wise to pay attention to these traits. And here's why. If you want your honey to smooch up on you and cuddle with you that night or you want to make a good impression on that day, or let's say it's time to ask your boss for a raise, by paying attention to the things that are natural inert qualities for them, you will naturally start speaking their behavioral language. And as with any two people that speak the same language, don't you know that they get along better and communicate better with one another and they also empathize with one another? Would that be a correct assumption in your opinion, Rose? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> what What are some ways that you think from the uh, I'm changing my job side of this conversation or I'm trying to get the job that you would suggest that people would pay attention to uh, and using – that quick little assessment of type to so that they know how do you respond to someone that appears to be a feeling personality, meaning that's the person that you notice that demonstrates compassion or altruistic behavior, or the person that's all, okay, those are the facts, let's see what's happening. Um, what would you suggest to them? Well, I, we hear this a lot, on, um, especially in our executive search firm, where um, people are, are talking about the interview, the face-to-face inter- interview and the chemistry that goes on between the people. And, um, and one of the things that we do as, as recruiters um, is uh, you know, we're talking to the hiring uh, manager, the person who is going to be this, per- this new candidate's boss, um, we spend an awful lot of time in our own business trying to understand what what do we have here, who is this person, and who is he going to relate well to. Now, many years ago when we started this business, we didn't we weren't uh, attuned to the MBTI, um, and it was just a, I mean I guess after you do this for a while, you have an in, in, intuitive reaction that that the candidate is going to be a good fit for the hiring manager, but. Um, if you don't have that chemistry and if you don't have um, them independently, you know, looking like they're at least on, you know, close enough to be able to make the, um, make the necessary behavioral adjustments in the workplace, uh, then I can tell you that when you go in for an interview, it's probably not going to work. And is that, do you understand what I'm talking about? Does that make sense? Yeah, well, I what, I, what I'd like for you to do is what are some things that a person that, that let's say you're going in for a job and you're an introvert and this person that you're dealing with happens to be this uh, they're, they're battling off numbers they're um, telling you how they feel about certain uh, the, the corporate climate or at in that business. What do they say, what do they do, in your opinion, that is going to make them be more of an eligible candidate? Well, I think if they, if they, are, if they tend to be more uh, um, uh, introvertive, um, they can sometimes can get blown away by an extrovertive person that's, that's interviewing them. Um, and I think that they've got to 
when they go into the into the interview have got to go in there as if they were a consultant going into a company and 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 representing themselves um to to this other person if you if you just let it all wash over and i can see that i see this happen in body language as well so if you know if you are intuitive i mean try to get to the here i guess the best advice is this try to get to the middle ground don't don't shy away and don't monopolize the conversation i mean you want to have a good business conversation and if if the the give and take of the conversation is 50-50 then you know you're engaging that individual but if you just sit back and let that person ramble on um it doesn't it doesn't really show that you're um and without giving them any indication that it's it's meaningful to you, um, the hiring manager will come away with the idea, well, this, this person really wasn't very engaged. So I guess the the clue here is don't monopolize the conversation and try to uh, try to be in it as much as the other person is in it. So what so what I'm hearing you say is this: pay attention to the presentations. And out of the things that you've heard on the show this evening, and, and I know that we tried to cover a lot of ground in a short period of time, there's no way in heck it could be done, so we will be doing a part two of this show, uh, and Rose is going to be back where we can really give this thing attention it deserves. But what I'm hearing you say, Rose, is that if that person is extroverted that you're talking to and you're a natural introvert, you introvert, you may want to go ahead now and use that listening thing that you do naturally a little better and by letting the person know how much you're listening by making appropriate commentary. And then the other thing I'm hearing you say is if that person appears to be intuitive in talking about the big picture, that you, if you are a sensing personality, can start giving them the support under their vision by saying, well, hey, that's a great idea, and I think that my ability to do A, B, and C will probably help bring that vision to life. Is that a correct assumption? Yeah, I think that, that that's putting us in the right uh, – it gets it in the right the right arena, yeah. Yeah, the, the 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 issue with interviewing is, especially if you're not going in, with, you're going in, you don't know who you're interviewing with. Um, and, uh, you know, of course, as one, in our search business, we know who the candidates are because we've recruited them and we know who the hiring manager is because we're listening to them tell us how desperately they need this person. Um, so that that's what happens in our situation. But if you're, a person is going in, um, you kind of have to go in with the attitude of let's see what's going on here. Let me see what I can figure out from this and then do the best you can to stay with that conversation and be part of it and give people hints about, well, you know, and and, and little stories. The last time, you know, if they're going to ask you to do something, answer it with maybe a behavior-based answer. Well, the last time I had that problem, this is what I did and this is what the outcome was. So there's a whole area. I mean, that's another whole show, (laughs) which is behavior-based interviewing. But um, Well, I want yeah. to do this, Rose. I know we're running short on time tonight. This hour, like, flew by. How can people get in contact with you to follow up uh, on the career side? And how can they, um, you know, how how can they reach you? With the, give us some phone numbers, email addresses, and what have you. Sure. 
Um, well, I think there is something up on your website, but for those people that happen to have a pen and paper handy, um, uh, the name of the firm in Sarasota, Florida, is uh, the Matron Group, um, and my email address is rose at matrongroup.com. Uh, the telephone number here in uh, or on Eastern Time, the number is area code 941-365-5151. And I'll be happy to, um, uh, to talk with people if they have a question. All right. Well, I appreciate you being on the show tonight, Dr. Rose, my friend. And, America, I'm going to go ahead and give you our last few pointers, so keep your pen and paper out, and I'm going to run through the list right quick. All right. First thing, when you are using type, and I don't care if you're using this in the dating world or if you're using this to get a job or try to get that promotion or to even deal with your kids, here's the first thing. And Rose said this uh, just a moment ago. Be present. What I mean by that is in the conversation, if there is a chance for you to write stuff down, don't think people are going to think you're tripping. Now, if you're on a date, that may look a little weird, but typically if it's one of those come-to-Jesus meetings you're having with your mate or something in the office, start paying attention and writing down, okay, is this person extroverted? Do they talk a lot? Okay, are they kind of quiet? Start writing down, okay, I just hear this person giving me all these details, and they keep talking about step one, step two, so they're probably a sensing personality, or they use phrases like, look at the big picture. Can you see what I'm saying? Tell me your view of this. That means more than likely that they are intuitive. The next thing is what's their orientation to the world? And when I say that is that thing about feeling versus thinking is big, and I'm going to tell you why. If you see that the person you're talking to keeps mentioning facts, keeps talking about this does and does not make sense, and they even use that terminology, they are thinking with logic, so you cannot appeal to them emotionally and get anywhere. Or if you see this person saying things like, well, you know, what's best for us? If they use the term us or what's good for the group, or how did someone else feel about this, how does this affect someone else, you may want to stop thinking about facts and logic and start talking about things that they value, okay? Because remember, feelings, that doesn't mean they're emotional. It means that they have to buy into it. And that last thing is so important, the orientation. If you notice somebody is always running late, what that means is that more than likely they're flexible, and you can see this in a person's dress. People that have these judging personalities, they typically dress for the occasion. People that are perceiving, they're not going to be dressed like a hobo, but they will wear it their way. They're going to kind of be like, yeah, okay, i got to wear a tie, and you're like looking at them going, why in the hell do you have a tie with a catfish on it, you know, that kind of thing. So pay attention to this stuff. Next thing in dating, and I know this is so important for a lot of you, look at your own type. The reason why I'm saying, and, and I said this and what you saw posted on Facebook and what you're going to hear in the archive, is if you don't know you, how in the hell is someone else going to know you? 
So pay attention that if you are introverted, like you heard Leon say he was, and then what did you hear Leon say? He said, well, you know, I got in this relationship, and then, you know, I ended up pissed. Well, the reason Leon ended up pissed, and I'm not saying because I haven't heard the whole story, and, you know, I don't, and I'm, I'm glad Leon shared his story with us, but let's be honest, Leon is introverted. He doesn't talk that much. So if, and don't expect people to read your mind because two things. If they do, you're going to be pissed. And if they can't, you're going to know that they're wrong. So either way, that's a lose-lose situation. So you people that are kind of quiet and introverted, introverted, learn to speak up other than at the last minute when you done lost it, right? And for you extroverts like me, sometimes, Julia, do not start clapping because I know you're going to clap when I say this one. Shut up a little bit. I can just see my producer right now. She's just doing a holiness praise dance going, Lord, thank you, Jesus. He's getting it. But, you know, sometimes be quiet and really listen. Stop waiting to talk. If you got that E at the beginning of these four letters, you probably talk too damn much. So learn to, you know, not wait to talk. Work on learning to listen. The Then the, going back to this next phase of this, if you are always pointing out what somebody else needs to do, how they need to do it, and here's how you're going to know. If the letters S, T, or N, T came up, that means that you are probably one of these people that is always noticing what needs to be fixed, which is a good thing, but you don't need to point it out all the doggone time. You feeling me? Pick your battles. Some things, just let people be who they are. Let it go. You do not have to fix everybody. As a matter of fact, you can't, and you doggone sure do not need to try to fix everything. Now, for you people that ended up with that FP at the end, yeah, you know, the people with the P's at the end of your stuff, you folk need to start becoming a little bit more focused on being realistic, especially if your stuff ended up saying something like NFP. If you have that combination of letters in there or if you have uh, NTP, what that means is that, at the end of the day, you like things to grow and evolve and change. And there's nothing wrong with that. But you can't avoid being accountable. Stop waiting to the last minute to do stuff. Stop thinking that everything's going to always fix itself. Sometimes what needs to be fixed is you. Sometimes you have to quit letting things go and come to a conclusion about something and execute it. And for you people that end up with the J at the end of your stuff all the time, become more flexible. Leave room for permeability and for growth. You do not have to always plan everything out. As a matter of fact, you're going to miss what God is doing because God is very spontaneous. I mean, spontaneous. Ooh, man, I almost made up one of those uh, Don King words, didn't 
Wow. Anyway, with all of that said, we're going to do another show about this. I was given 15 minutes to go over, and those 15 minutes are almost up. The music will be up in about a minute and a half, but before it comes up, I just want to say this. You can feel free to go to dyvonneyoung.com. It sounds like D-Ivan, but it's dyvonneyoung.com. If you want to schedule an appointment and talk about typology and all of that, of course it's going to cost you anything worth having does, but it may keep to stop you from blowing and costing you though something you can never get back, which is time and the rest of your life. Now, with that said, I've got to make my producer happy and wrap this show up. If you cannot find anybody that's your type, maybe what you need to first find is what type you really are. Besides, if no one else can love you, who can do it better than you? This is Dr. D. Yvonne Young. You've been listening to Conversations with yours truly, and I will see you at noon on Wednesday. Until then, have a fantastic week. God bless you, and I love you. Talk to you soon. Bye.